Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Jesus said, follow me. And if you sometimes wonder exactly what that means, then catch this from A.W. Tozier. I quote, What God in his sovereignty may yet do on a world scale, I do not claim to know. But what he will do for the plain man or woman who seeks his face, I believe I do know and can tell others. Let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility, and the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. Unquote. My friends, don't let human religiosity make you a spiritual slave. It is always right to do good the way God defines good. And welcome again. And may you be blessed with God's Word today. Glad you've chosen to do this in a together sort of way. Reading through every word of God's mind in print and considering our own places in the gospel story along the way. Including how yesterday we heard that Jesus' coming was prophesied by Isaiah and Malachi and then announced by John the Baptist. The Father and the Holy Spirit commended him And Satan couldn't defeat him. He's a servant you can trust. Importantly, my friends, this trust in following Jesus still comes with it. The temptation to perform our way through life. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or good people better. He came to make dead people live. Growing in holiness is the consequence of trusting and following in humility and obedience. And even that word is weird. Obedience. (laughs) And that gets us to Mark chapter 2. And as you'll hear, distinctions between obedience to Jesus versus man-made rules or religiosity is a thing. Give a listen. Mark chapter 2. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. They came to him, bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him into Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, Your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? 
But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he turns to the paralytic. I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he did get up, took the mat and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then, passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed Jesus. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes, who were Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast, but the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and the worst tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions? Then he told them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So then, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man who was there had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse Jesus, They were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, Stand before us. And then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. Mark 2 up through verse 6 of chapter 3. 
And by the way, a little cultural moment here. The Pharisees and the Herodians were like political enemies. They just were, right? The Pharisees thought the Herodians had sold out to the Roman government. And the Herodians thought the Pharisees were a bunch of stuck in the muds. That's probably official, like, historian, academic language there. But the lesson in what we just read, don't let human religiosity make you a spiritual slave, right? It's always right to do good the way God defines good. And why do we read the Bible every single word? Because that way you know if someone's telling you do human religiosity or if it's in alignment with God's design for flourishing. Turning to our Old Testament segment, what would you do if you saw your beloved city flattened, raised, burned, right? The city that God promised you and the city that had the temple where you met with him? Well, you might write some funeral dirges. Oh, wait. We do have some funeral dirges. <laughs> the Book of Lamentations is written in a traditional style of Hebrew poetry, naming no names and avoiding specific historical references, even as it records the very personal circumstances and unveils very personal and deeply felt emotions. So, as one commentator puts it, to appreciate its message fully, we should set it in its original context which was, of course, well-known to the poet and his audience. Always along the way has been ascribed to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. There can be no doubt that the backdrop of Lamentations is the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonian emperor, Nebuchadnezzar, that we just got done reading about. We know that's 586 BC, and historical accounts of these events are given in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. We've read those in Jeremiah. We've read those, but here we encounter the raw details of the personal tragedies which lay behind the generalized summaries found elsewhere. Remember, throughout their national history, the people of Israel had frequently failed to live up to the requirements of their covenant relationship with the Lord. And it's useful for us, I think, to remember that God wants our obedience. The question is, is that human religiosity or... That God's word. Lamentations, chapter 1. How she sits alone, the city once crowded with people. She who was great among the nations has become like a widow. The princess among the provinces has been put to forced labor. She weeps bitterly during the night with tears on her cheeks. There is no one to offer her comfort not one from all her lovers. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile following affliction and harsh slavery. She lives among the nations but finds no place to rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in narrow places. The roads to Zion mourn for no one comes to the appointed festivals. All her gates are deserted, her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters. 
her enemies are at ease, for the Lord has made her suffer because of her many transgressions. Her children have gone away as captives before the adversary. All the splendor has vanished from daughter Zion. Her leaders are like stags that find no pasture. They stumble away exhausted before the hunter. During the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious belongings that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into the adversary's hand, she had no one to help. The adversaries looked at her, laughing over her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned grievously. Therefore, she has become an object of scorn. All who honored her now despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns away. Her uncleanness stains her skirts. She never considered her end. Her downfall was astonishing. There was no one to comfort her. Lord, look on my affliction, for the enemy boasts. The adversary has seized all her precious belongings. She has even seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan while they search for bread. They have traded their precious belongings for food in order to stay alive. Lord, look and see how I have become despised. Is this nothing to you? All you who pass by? Look and see. Is there any pain like mine which was dealt out to me, which the Lord made me suffer on the day of his burning anger? He sent fire from on high into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He made me desolate, sick all day long. My transgressions have been formed into a yoke, fastened together by his hand. They've been placed on my neck, and the Lord has broken my strength. He has handed me over to those I cannot withstand. The Lord has rejected all the mighty men with me. He has summoned an army against me to crush my young warriors. The Lord has trampled virgin daughter Judah like grapes in a winepress. I weep because of these things. My eyes flow with tears. For there is no one nearby to comfort me, no one to keep me alive. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands. There is no one to comfort her. The Lord has issued a decree against Jacob that his neighbors should be his adversaries. Jerusalem has become something impure among them. The Lord is just, for I have rebelled against his command. Listen, all you people, look at my pain. Young women and young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they betrayed me. My priests and elders perished in the city while searching for food to keep themselves alive. Lord, see how I am in distress. I am churning within. My heart is broken, for I have been very rebellious. Outside, the sword 
takes the children. Inside, there's death. You have brought the day, you announced, so that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and deal with them, as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many. I am sick at heart. How the Lord has overshadowed daughter Zion with his anger. He has thrown down Israel's glory from heaven to earth. He did not acknowledge his footstool in the day of his anger. Without compassion, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has demolished the fortified cities of daughter Judah. He brought them to the ground and defiled the kingdom and its leaders. He has cut off every horn of Israel in his burning anger and withdrawn his right hand in the presence of the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything. He has strung his bow like an enemy. His right hand is positioned like an adversary. He has killed everyone who was the delight to his eye, pouring out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces and destroyed its fortified cities. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation within daughter Judah. He has wrecked his temple as if it were merely a shack in a field, destroying his place of meeting. The Lord has abolished appointed festivals and Sabbaths in Zion. He has despised king and priest in his fierce anger. The Lord has rejected his altar, repudiated his sanctuary. He has handed the walls of her palaces over to the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of an appointed festival. The Lord determined to destroy the wall of daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not restrain himself from destroying. He made the ramparts and walls grieve. Together they waste away. My friends, catch this next stanza. Zion's gates have fallen to the ground. He has destroyed and shattered the bars on her gates. Her king and her leaders live among the nations. Instruction is no more, and even her prophets receive no vision from the Lord. The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are worn out from weeping. I am churning within. My heart is poured out in grief because of the destruction of my dear people, because infants and nursing babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry out to their mothers, saying, Where is the grain and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life pours out in the arms of their mothers. What can I say on your behalf? What can I compare you to, daughter Jerusalem? What can I liken you to, so that I may console you, virgin daughter Zion? For your ruin is as vast as the sea. Who, who can heal you? 
Your prophets saw visions for you that were empty and deceptive. They did not reveal your iniquity and so restore your fortunes. They saw pronouncements for you that were empty and misleading. All who pass by scornfully clap their hands at you. They hiss and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem, saying, Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies open their mouths against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth, saying, We have swallowed her up. This is the day we've waited for. We have lived to see it. The Lord has done what he has planned. He has accomplished his decree, which he ordained in days of old. He has demolished without compassion, letting the enemy gloat over you and exalting the horn of your adversaries. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. Wall of daughter Zion, let your tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief or rest your eyes no more. Arise. Cry out in the night, from the first watch of the night, pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger at the head of every street. Lord, Lord, look and consider to whom you have done this. Should women eat their own children, the infants they have nurtured? Should priests and prophets be killed in the Lord's sanctuary? Both young and old are lying on the ground in the streets. My young women and young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtered without compassion. You summon those who terrorize me on every side as if for an appointed festival day. On the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. My enemy has destroyed those I nurtured and reared. And my friends, that's Lamentations 1 and 2. Instruction is no more, and even her prophets receive no vision from the Lord. My friends, that is a consequence of sin. Don't let human religiosity make you a spiritual slave. Instead, it is always right to do good. And there is a plain difference between religion and religiosity. Sorry we went long today. Poetry just takes longer to read and... I should probably shut up more in between. I love you. Amen. Amen.